Hello, this is Emily Weinstein of Georgetown Center for Security and Emerging Technology. I'm here with Channing Lee, where we're going to be talking a bit about Chinese state key laboratories and the role they play within China's innovation ecosystem. So for a bit of background here, state key laboratories are one kind of small piece of China's broader science and technology ecosystem puzzle, if you want to call it that. Um, and they are one of the kind of key players in the transformation of basic research to applied research. Um, they're usually housed within a variety of types of organizations, um, including academic institutions, both the Chinese Academy of Sciences and universities. They're housed within military institutions, housed within enterprises as well. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about those in just a moment. But kind of the, the bottom line up front here is that they are a, a part a key part of the piece of the innovation puzzle in China that helps China actually actualize innovation. Um, and I can pass it over to Channing to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Very happy to be here to discuss with you um, state key laboratories in China. Definitely something that is um, understudied. There's it seems like there's a lack of attention uh, toward their importance. And just to break out the Chinese real quickly, they are very important. Um, they're in Chinese, they're called 国家重点,实验室. So 重点, they, they really place an emphasis on uh, how key these are. And you can see that through uh, Chinese foreign policy and science and technology planning, uh, because the common misperception is that China is not innovating. Uh, that they have always stolen U.S. and other countries' intellectual property, that they continue to do so, and that they will always continue to do so. However, if you look further into their science and technology planning and look into the state key laboratory system, you can actually see that uh, these laboratories are helping China to innovate. And there's been a tremendous push to reduce China's dependency on foreign technology, um, especially under Xi Jinping. Um, if you look at their medium to long-term plan for science and technology development, even if you look at their 13th and most recent 14th five-year plans, you can see that China's really pushing to use these state key laboratories to foster innovation. Um, state key laboratories, uh, you know, you, they, you're there, you have them in all sorts of uh, science and technology fields. You have engineering, chemistry, physics, material science, information biology, earth science, uh, etc. And China really hopes they can use these to foster original innovation, and they they are. Uh, so, Emily, you know, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah. So, so in addition to them, to State Key Labs being part of kind of China's broader modernization efforts and reform efforts for a science and technology ecosystem. We see them also fitting in with uh, things like China's military civil fusion development strategy, which for instance, um, the state key laboratory of cancer research in China is actually housed within the People's Liberation Army's uh, fourth military medical hospital, which is, is kind of a, a prime example of of milsi fusion in action. Um, and it, it brings up a lot of implications as far as collaborations with uh, basic research entities in China. If you are uh, you know, an entity in the United States or in India or in Germany, and you're trying to uh, figure out a way to collaborate with Chinese entities on basic research for cancer therapies, how do you go about navigating that type of relationship when the one of the primary entities for doing that type of research is a Chinese military hospital. Um, so it brings up a lot of kind of implications when it comes to research security, to export controls and things like that. Um, so the collaborations, I think understanding the 
broader ecosystem in which state key labs sit help to kind of, or will hopefully help to, you know, force people to have these conversations and do the due diligence before they enter into uh, certain types of collaborations with Chinese entities. Um, any thoughts on that, Channing? Yeah, definitely. I uh, I definitely see that these state key laboratories are fitting into China's plan, not only uh, their own foreign policy side, their military side, um, and also the enterprise side, which I think you mentioned early on. So I'll just expand a little bit uh, um, on that. But, you know, most state key laboratories, by nature of them being state key laboratories, are state-run. So they're uh, overseen by various ministries um, under the national government. Uh, however, you do have some that are uh, actually overseen by uh, quote private companies, um, and those are state key laboratories or state-owned enterprise uh, laboratories. And you know ZTE has one on mobile networks and mobile uh, multimedia technology. Huawei has one on wireless communication access technology. iFly Tech has one on cognitive intelligence. And so you see that this uh, these state key laboratories are not just um, you know a government. Uh, funded way to boost innovation, but they're actually working uh, with these enterprises to innovate as well. Uh, and so, you know, it'll be great to see, um, you know, what these laboratories will will end up doing um, for, for yes, and, Chinese innovation. And I would just add, and I would just add to Channing quickly that it, it, I think the push to have entities like Huawei and ZTE do this, demonstrate kind of an understanding on the part of the Chinese government that innovation does happen a little bit more in some in private sector spaces. Mm -hmm. With that, thank you all so much um, and look forward to carrying on the conversation.